we'll just wait a couple of, couple of minutes here. There's a handout that I want everybody to have. Um, Kenneth went upstairs to get it. So... have them each maybe grab one pass them down so what you're getting is just a, a, a little sheet it can serve for two, two purposes, not only for the notes that are on the one side, but also in case you want to uh, make some notations on the opposite side, it, it serves as also a note, a note sheet as well. Uh, I've already told you a number of times that uh, even before I was pastoring, I never, I never went to a gathering uh, without an intention of, of really engaging it. And even if it was only jotting a few things down, I made it a point to, to try to come with, uh, with the intention of, of writing something down, perhaps, that God was speaking to me about. And so, you know, I'm not, again, not trying to hammer at anyone, but at the same time, um, I'm a big believer that if you're actually serious about engaging something, then you try to listen for what God is trying to say to you. And... If, you're, if you do that, you will find that the Lord can speak through even a, a, a poorly delivered lesson or a, perhaps something that you've heard a hundred times. It may still be fresh because of the attitude that was taken as we approached it. And so um, now that we all kind of have this uh, paper and we're going to jump in for, in a moment here, but again, I just want to pray, gather us back together. Um, I don't want to assume that everyone here is necessarily just uh, you know, committed to following Jesus. I'm assuming also that most of us are, and uh, that's why we came. Also, I need to make an assumption that there are some of us here who maybe we haven't been coming to Cornerstone for but for a little while, and so you know, there might be a little anxiety associated with not really knowing anyone. Um, it's even possible you don't know who I am. I'm, you know, they call me around here Pastor Terry. I'm a senior pastor here at Cornerstone. But uh, obviously, I'm also part of the men's community, and I share the same challenge as anyone, any man who sincerely wants to be a Christian. What I'm going to suggest is that um, not only am I a pastor, but I'm also a Christian. And I believe that I am a Christian, a follower of Jesus first, and a pastor second. And so there's a commonality, whether or not we are leading, and I think we lead more than we know. You may lead in a small group. You may lead in a ministry. You may lead in your home. Um, you may lead in ways that you're not even aware of that doesn't even have an official title that would even resemble anything called a leader, but you have influence. And whenever we have influence, we lead at some level. And I think that makes what we're about to talk about significant and very important. And my prayer is that we would indeed be um, strengthened 
in our resolve to honor God and, and to love Him. And so uh, I know we, you maybe you've had a long, a long day already, maybe a long week. But Lord, and if you can, as we're praying, you know, I, you know what I'd like us to do if we can, just maybe even take our hand and put it on our heart, God. We pledge at times to you and to this country. But I, Lord, just as a statement of humility, really, and sincerity, I just, you know, we, we, we ask you, God, in a spirit of humility to speak to us, Lord. And uh, we confess before you that we are, we are men who have, have sinned and we, we break your heart at times, God. We've sometimes stepped over lines that we know clearly were wrong. And there are other times where, God, we simply have, it's not been something we've done. It's been, honestly, it's been something we didn't do that we were supposed to do. And um, we just, we stand before you, Lord. And we are, we are extraordinarily grateful for your love for us, for your forgiveness, for your kindness, for your mercy, for your grace, Lord. If there are things you want to just heal tonight, if there are things that you want to convict us around, God, if there are points that you want to reinforce about what it means to live this life with integrity before you, I just really ask that you would indeed challenge us, God. Um, we need two things from you, Lord. We need your challenging touch that would provoke us, and we also need your grace that reminds us that even as you're pushing us, God, you love us. Even as you're calling us to move towards something, you've promised to come behind us and walk us into it. And uh, some of this stuff, Lord, you know, it's not flesh and blood. It's not the bullet or the bowie knife. It has to do with the spirit. It has to do with things that we cannot see, but we see the effects of them. And we really want to pray, as David prayed, for for cleansing in the inner man at the inner part of who we are, God. You said out of our belly, out of our inner being flows things. What comes out of us, God, out of our inner person, inner man, this is ultimately what can defile or make or break us, God. And so we ask that we would not be simply contented with doing the surface things, but we invite you, God, to speak to us at a heart level, at a soul level, we need, your, we need your grace. We need your spirit, Holy Spirit. Come and move as you please. Speak in Jesus' name, I ask this, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Okay. This, this gathering was renamed something. This, it went from being called Iron Sharpens Iron, which was a good name, biblical, you know, um, I think Proverbs 27, right? But now it's called Forge. I was thinking about this, forge, what does it mean? I want to uh, put, there, the, the forge is both a verb and a noun. As a verb, it has three meanings, two major ones and one that's more subtle. I want to look at the three meanings of what forge is, that's what we're calling our gathering, and I want to use it kind of as a template for thinking about what God's trying to do in our lives, and that'll just be an introduction. So. I want to suggest that as we talk about these three definitions of forge, you can turn, put that up on the, on the PowerPoint. The, number one, forge is defined as this. It has to do with making or shaping um, a metal object by heating and hammering uh, something, the metal. And I'll just wait for Kyung. You guys got that? 
okay. <laughs> Still cooking. It's the, uh... <laughs> we'll all get to eat. All right. Well, I'm going to wait because I want you to be able to see it. I don't want to just talk and stall, but I can, I can do that too for a little bit. But basically, Forge has three, mean, three, I'll tell you what, when you guys get it, you got it. Uh, okay, so I'm not going to, just double check something here. I am not going to be able to see it on the other screen. Is that correct, Luke? Okay, okay. Now we're, now I'm understanding how this is working. All right. Okay, so to make or shape a metal object by heating and hammering the metal. All, many of us are familiar with the idea. You saw that, that image of the, of the anvil there, right? This is the whole idea. It carries with it the idea of uh, a metalsmith, uh, a blacksmith, someone who's a, sometimes called a smithy, working, hammering out heated metal to make it into a tool that is usable and capable. It has to do with this whole idea. It's interesting, the idea of hammering is mentioned there and heating is mentioned there. I want us to think for a moment about this as a metaphor for our lives, that we are being shaped and formed by Jesus. This whole idea of forge has to do with this process of being made into an instrument of usability for God so that the Lord will take us into a place where, yes, at times he will heat things up. He will actually hammer us even if we can think of it that way. He will allow things to happen in our lives to form us and to shape us and to make us into a usable instrument. So one of the definitions of forge, which is the predominant meaning that we've utilized here, has to do with shaping something and making it usable. So there's an idea that God wants to use us, but he can't really use us the way that he wants to use us without first shaping us and working inside of us, as it were. Think of God working us into a tool. Think of God working on us so that we can be able to benefit something that he wants to see happen in this world. This whole idea of God calling us to be kingdom representatives, to be difference makers in our spheres of influence, to be able to, to make, make a, an impact in some small way for the goodness of God so that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, they may acknowledge the goodness of God at work in our lives, that some of us are fathers, that, that our children would see that. Some of us at our jobs, we, we really haven't taken full responsibility for representing Jesus in our workplace. And something about what God wants to do is form us, continue to work, on, work us so that we can become a type of instrument for him. So this whole idea of forge being connected to a metal shop and the idea of metal being heated and shaped and formed. Second definition closely related to it has to do with this idea of creating. So forge sometimes means creating, as in a phrase here, as in to forge a close relationship. All right, so I'm creating, I'm, I'm seeing something being brought into being. Those two ideas actually have similarities. One obviously distinct to, you know, a metalsmith, but the other one has to do with something that God, so think about them together as being something of what God is trying to do, form, shape, make, create in us a capacity to be a difference maker for him in some way. So think of these two things. We, talk, we are gathered here to be forged. We are gathered here to be formed. We are gathered here to become a better version of what God made us to be. 
And so that's, that is a desire. And if whatever incremental movement God would bring because we're here, I pray that it would be brought to pass. Now, what is also interesting is many of us are familiar with the third way that this word is used as a verb. I thought about this as well. I don't think this is what they had in mind necessarily when we thought of the name. But here's number three, to produce a copy. It could be a banknote, a work of art, a signature, something for the purpose of what? Deception. But you know what? As I thought about this, this actually has a whole lot more meaning than we initially think it does. Um, this idea of, of our purpose, obviously, is connected with the positive aspect of being forged and formed. But there's a negative aspect, and I'm going to talk about that in a bit. But in your, on that sheet that I gave you in Romans 12, Paul writes this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Can you just say this next phrase with me? And do not be, and do not be conformed to this world. One more, one more phrase. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So do not be conformed, shaped, defined, molded, formed, forged by the dominant culture that surrounds us. Instead, we are being told here in the Holy Scriptures, in, in God's Word, that we are to be shaped, reformed, created into something that is different, into something that is renewed, into a different kind of form, that we may prove what is that good and that, what does it say, that acceptable and perfect will of God, that we may, listen, brothers, that we may realize the plan of God at work for our lives. We are not to allow, according to this these two verses, allow our culture, our world, um, the dominant way of viewing reality, which if you haven't taken a look lately at our papers, at our magazines, at our motion pictures that we use, at the songs that are sung, the dominant reality is a reality that does not make reference to God except in manners, honestly, that have to do more with cursing him than honoring him and loving him. Now, I, I'm not saying that as a, a legalist, and I'm not saying anything, but I'm making an observation. The reality is we live in a culture that, is, that for the most part, excludes the idea of God working in our lives as commonplace and reality. The characters we watch on TV... What we're looking at on, in various forms, whether it's in, on the, the new form of media, through the new technologies that we have, the games that are being played, the interactions that are taking place. Listen to me. You guys know this is true. So much of our everydayness of life does not include God in it. And so we are vulnerable. Listen, we are vulnerable to being sucked into a reality that sort of corners off God into a something that maybe we consider for a very brief period a couple of times a week at most. And I want to suggest that this, these two verses are challenging us to really resist the dominant culture, to live counterculturally as men, 
to think clearly about what it means to honor God in terms of the everydayness of our life and to make sure that we are resisting the tide, as you were, not living apart from relationship with the Lord, but including Him. Now, I think the message translation actually really helps us in appreciating, it's almost like an amplification of it. Notice what it says right below here. So here's what I want you to do. This is the message rendering. God helping you. Take your everyday, notice, er, what does it say? Everyday, what ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you know, going to work and walking around that life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Now, I want you to, can we read this, can you read this next sentence with me? Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's really, that's, a, that's fantastic. It's a, think about it. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Challenge how you're living. Challenge how we're thinking. Challenge how we are defining our reality. This is what he's saying. Don't let the world, our culture, our world, shape us into being something other than what God wants us to be. Instead, transcend it. Get past it. Define yourself in contrast to the dominant culture. Attempt to squeeze you into what it wants us to be. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to pull out. We've already talked about this many times. It's not about being mad. You know what? Being mad won't solve anything, really. Not too much. I mean, it's not about protesting, really. I don't think it's... I think we can pray for things to be different. But the fact is, we live in this culture. We live in this city. We live in this place. There's a lot of things about it that I do enjoy. But I want to suggest to you that for a Christian... So much of our everydayness is extraordinarily toxic. And there is a lot of pressure being placed on us to be conformed to an image other than Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying there's this insidious plan from people or from Hollywood or from whatever. I do believe in the reality of spiritual warfare, and I do believe there is a plan from the pit designed to pull us under. There's no question about that to me because Jesus talked about it as a reality. So if Jesus defined it as a reality, then I understand there are all kinds of things going on that we cannot see. At the same token, we have the Spirit.